Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. An Elio's original. I'm Leslie Arfin, and this is my show, Filling the Void, a show where I get to know my friends better by talking to them about the things that bring them pure joy, also known as their hobbies. Hi, welcome back to Filling the Void. Today, we have Danielle Henderson, TV writer. She wrote on Maniac, Difficult People. She also is an author. Her book is called The Ugly Cry. And today, Danielle is gracing us all to talk about archery. Fuck, there's nothing cooler than having your hobby be archer motherfucking re. And another thing that's just a fun fact is that I forgot to record on my end this episode. It was just a, such a good conversation. And then Alex was like, all right, so uh, let's stop recording now. And I was like, there is no way that I can make this sentence untrue. I didn't record. I did not record. I had to quickly go into acceptance. You know, this shit happens. And you know what else happens? Miracles happen. Because the next day, Alex said, Via text, OMG, for some reason, when Danielle recorded her and she also got yours. So I'm just going to give a shout out to God for this episode, higher power, greater intelligence, life force, universe, whatever you want to call it. Thank you. Now, we're talking today to Danielle Henderson. Danielle, you're a writer, yes? Yes, I am. But you're also a hobbyist. A big, ho big hobbyist. See, this is why I need we need to talk. For help sure. Me. Can you help me or do we both need help? I think we both need help, but I think the both of us have indoor kid hobbies. Yes. And so I feel like that has been very time consuming in my life. And my new hobby is a very outdoor-based hobby. And it actually is helping me balance out the other stuff. Okay, what is it? I'm an archer. Oh, yeah. Well, that that is for... <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say archer, archery, but I didn't know if you were presenting it like you had another outdoor thing. No. I know you're an archer. That is the number one thing I wanted to talk to you about because yeah. I love archery. You moved 
to upstate New York. So you lived in LA. Yes. I've lived so many places, but I, I, I lived in LA for about four, almost five years. And then two years ago, I moved back to my hometown uh, in upstate New York. And I bought a house, but it's it's not just a house. Like I, I actually bought a small farm. And um, it, it has like, you know, I've got acres and I have a barn and I have a silo and I just got like oh space God. and the house is big. And so I just have space and it's just me right now. Are um, you scared? Are you ever scared? No, I, but I think it's because I grew up here. So I'm kind of familiar with the right. tenor of people that are around. Um, right. But I also but what have about like, ghosts? oh, this place is 100, 100% haunted. There are bones in every wall. I guarantee there are like human bones in every fucking wall. <laughs> but, but like, that's, we're okay with that, maybe. Yeah. Just, just sage it up. Exactly. And they're friendly. Yeah. If they're, you know, if they're here, they're friendly. Uh, I've totally. got a lot of like hippie woo woo kind of friends. And they, one of them walked in and was like, I'm feeling something. And I'm like, keep it to yourself unless it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> like run with that emotion. But if it's bad, then you can tell me. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of, so- it's very solitary. And the reason I came here is because, or came back here, um, is because my grandma has dementia and she's 90 and she was very quickly getting to a point where she couldn't live on her own. And that was wow. exacerbated during the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and I was, you know, I was ready to get out of LA. And so I thought, well, yeah. why not? You know, I never envisioned coming back to this town. Um, I do not recommend moving back to your hometown the same week you release a memoir about how much you oh hated growing up in that hometown. <laughs> oh my the timing God. What's, was your memoir, what's your memoir called? Uh, it's called The Ugly Cry. And it's about how my mom essentially ditched my brother and I when I was 10 uh, with my grandparents. And then I was raised by these really funny, weird, mean elderly people um, in this small town that's filled to the brim with white people. And I'm black and I was weird. And like, it's just about growing up a little bit strange. You know, I added this to my wish list like months ago when you told me about it or when I heard about it. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to like buy the actual book because wait, do you, is it on audible? Yeah. And I, and I read it. Yeah. Okay. So that's also tempting because I want to listen to you talk about all of this stuff. Totally. Danielle just has stories. (laughs) I've been like, it's sad that you don't live in LA because we can't hang out. But like when you told me you were into archery, I was like, ah, (laughs) <laughs> Finally, but also then you were like, but I'm moving. Right. Because <laughs> like, I wish I could move to upstate New York. I really oh, do. I, I love it there. It is so beautiful. And it, and it's a, it's a choice. I mean, I still don't know how to how it's going to have a reckoning with my career. Um, right. But for now, I'm fine with it. And it, it's just it's a nice place to have peace and calm. And, you know, like I'm 45 years old now and I kind of um, I never wanted to have kids and I'm divorced and I've been single for 10 years and I just kind of want like quiet and peace and I want to do my own thing. Um, sounds so nice. Yeah. So I've kind of just aged out. I love going to the city, but I, you know, I don't live that far from New York City, but I just don't need to live in, in that mix anymore because everything I like to do is a very quiet, solitary hobby. Totally. I know. There's nothing better than quiet. Yeah. It's kind of nice. There's nothing. It's everything. So writing wise, can you zoom in to rooms? Yeah. Well, usually um, the last couple of jobs I've had have actually been running rooms. So if I'm running a room, then I'll just say we're we're remote. Like that's just a given. Um, right. And if it's a job that requires me to come to LA, 
I try, I, I haven't been doing that right now. I could, but I haven't been doing mm-hmm. that right now. It's at this point, like leaving a house is so much more difficult than leaving an apartment. Like I, I have a cat sitter and a house sitter when I travel. And I'm right. always like, you know, if there's a squirrel in the attic, you have to do this. And if you hear this and watch out for the, you know, like, there's just like electrical stuff and yard stuff. And, yeah. Like, it's, there's it's, so much. I mean, it's an estate. Like it's a farm. It's yeah. A, you own a farm. I'm a there's steward a of the land. You are. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. Like, yes, you have a manor and you need it cared for. And I it's get hard. it. <laughs> People usually cringe when I say this, but my mortgage is a third of what I paid for a one bedroom apartment in Los Angeles. And I have a six bedroom, five bathroom house. Fucking A. So I can live very cheaply here for a very long time. So it kind of removes the stress of having to work on things yeah. that don't matter to me because I'm like, well, and I it's can live just, here for a year. <laughs> it's just, it's also like just you and your cat. Exactly. And like, you're not, you don't need to be buying, you don't need to be going to Costco right. for like bulk <laughs> items. No, I go to the uh, farmer's market all the time. And like, you know, I still care for my grandma, but, you know, she moved in and she hated it. She's like, this is too uh, far out. Like, I can't see anybody. I hate that. And I'm like, all right. So she wanted to go into a home. And I'm like, we had this conversation when she was lucid a few years mm-hmm. ago. Um, So that was a no brainer. But she lives right down the road. So I see her all oh, the time. That's sweet. And uh, if it was just me, no husband, no dog. My dog is like a another person because she's <laughs> yeah. really big. But me, no kid, no husband, no dog. I think I could eat like a potato a day and be <laughs> fine. <laughs> like, That's you kind know, of how maybe it like, is. It's like a can it, of chickpeas will last me for a century. <laughs> totally. Did you own a place in LA or you no, rented it? I rented. This is rented the first it. thing yeah. I've ever owned in my life. And I went, I went so big and I'm genuinely Good. never buying anything again. Like there's something about being here as well with the outdoor space that I think kind of helped push my archery along because I... Okay, so thank you for pulling me back into it. (laughs) When did you start doing archery? When did you first begin? I first picked up a bow about four and a half years ago, five years ago. And it's really strange because I was... I was recording a podcast, a travel podcast with a friend of mine, and we were in Montana. We were in Bozeman, Montana. Uh And he had kind of set up all this stuff. So like we were going to go fly fishing and we were going to do, you know, all this stuff. And I lived in Alaska for four years. So like outdoorsy stuff is fine to me. I just don't seek it out myself very often anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. But we went fly fishing and, you know, I caught a fish and he was pissed off because he didn't. (laughs) And I'm like, I, I know how to do this though. Like I used to catch fish all the time. Uh, I worked at a fishery. I used to catch my weight in salmon every year. Um, wow. So then he's like, well, why don't you go do this next thing on your own? And he set it up so that we were originally both going to go to this archery range. Um, but I went by myself. And Ooh. I'd never been. And I was so, from the beginning, just so enchanted. Like, they have to measure you and do your mm-hmm. your arm span and, like, really fit the bow to your dimensions. Um, mm-hmm. And the first time I shot it, I bullseyed and the guys <sighs> there like treat, they were all gathered around and they treated me like some kind of circus freak. And they're like, do it again, yeah. do it again, do it again. And they had all these 3d models of like T-Rexes and bison and shit. And I just kept hitting targets and like doing well. Danielle, um, the first time, first time you had first okay. time. <laughs> this, know. this is your calling. It is. 
Nothing felt more bizarre to me because I am someone who I have a very strong disconnect between my brain and my body. And mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, I have to actively work on the connection between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't consider myself a sporty person or an, or an outdoorsy Same. person at all. Same. Like yeah. never have. And I've, none of my hobbies are like, let's go for a walk or let's go play basketball. No. <laughs> never, never. No, so like I'm, people are like, let's go for a walk i'm like how about a sit yeah how about we like, sit and have some coffee what the fuck right <laughs> let's sit on a chair why because sitting is better than walking like why would you want to walk when you can sit it's better for my heart that's for sure yeah for my emotional coffee, life <laughs> yeah it's hard to drink coffee whilst walking up a rocky hot canyon like I'm good. <laughs> I have so many friends that used to try to get me to like go to the beach or go on a hike when I lived in LA. And I'm like, this is how I know I'm not meant to be here because none of I this know. is appealing to me at all. Uh, Preach. But I definitely Preach. like none of it. But I 100% like from the minute I picked up a bow, I felt like, well, this is different. And it's not the same as like a really sweaty active sport it's it's kind of zen and you kind of still have to use your brain which is something i love Um, and you have to use your whole body which people don't realize your whole body and that's the thing like when they kind of taught me like you know how to have a good stance and how to you know hold um the first time i used a compound bow i had a trigger release and you know they just kind of show you the mechanisms and how to use it and then you i realized like oh my legs and my back and my shoulders mm-hmm. were like, I felt it everywhere, but not in a bad way. Yep. But right. I felt the strength of it everywhere. Yes. Um, and that was yes, really the appealing. strength. Yeah. Isn't it so interesting when somebody first showed me how to stand right? I was like, oh, of course, of course, this is how you stand. Exactly. And it feels really good. I know that you had told me briefly a while ago that you didn't start that long ago, but I forgot. Because when I we were first talking about it, you must have just started had started like two or three years ago. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Just like very and you recently. were knee deep. Yeah, you were deep in it. And I was like, I wasn't really starting to do it. I had gotten a bow for Hanukkah from Paul, but it wasn't I wasn't fitted for it. It was like a kid's training bow. Right. And me and my friend Glenn, we just wanted to like go fuck around and like have yeah. fun with it. And we did. We had the best time and I loved it. And we were like, we're going to go to the archery storm. We're going to get fitted and this is going to be great. And we just never did because it is hard also to have that kind of hobby when you have kids. Yes. Well, yeah, there's like a, a, a dimension to it that you have to put a little bit of time into. Right. And more than anything, I think it would be difficult or even annoying to kind of go to a range. Like you legally can't shoot arrows in your backyard in most cities. <laughs> it's like, God right. forbid you miss and someone's fucked. Totally. But- <laughs> oh, I couldn't do it at my house. Like, So we went to Arroyo in Pasadena That's where exactly. they have a range there, but then they have little individual pockets. Yep. And so that's what Glenn and I did. And like, but I had, I, the reason why I wanted to do it again was because when I was young, I did archery at camp. I went to sleepaway camp and I suck at sports. I'm not athletic. I love dancing and that's it. That's like my sport. And then I did archery and I was good at it. Like you. 
Um, I, think I mean, I didn't hit a bullseye the first time, but I was like, oh my God, I felt so good about myself yes. and I loved it. And it feels like there is a kind of weirdly feminine power about it. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I can't really put my finger on it, but it's about, you know, you're not Xena. Really, yeah. It's like a little Xena and a little bit like <laughs> Wonder, <know>? Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wonder Woman's got that bow and arrow. It is all like it really is like it feels like comic book superhero territory in so many ways. Yeah. But yeah, I think that when it's it's something it's not surprising to me that you picked it up and, and just felt and were just good at it and just felt at home with it. Because I think that um, for very cerebral people, it's the perfect sport. <laughs> it mm, is the only so sport. Cool. Right? It is the only sport for me. And I, I definitely I have a good setup here. So I have um the first yeah, bow talk I shot. To me. Oh yeah. Well the first the first so first I went to Montana, learned how to shoot. Then I came back home to LA and I mm-hmm. did the same thing. I'm like, I need to do this all the time. So I went to Arroyo, Pasadena. Um, oh, cool. It was so great. And they have they have bows there. Like you don't have to buy any gear to kind of get started if you don't want to but they have um recurve bows and long bows and i learned how to shoot on a compound bow and the difference is the the, the way i usually explain the difference is that a compound bow is like rambo um a recurve bow is like legolas and a long Uh bow is like hawkeye (laughs) so okay so there's different shapes and weights and sizes and a compound bow kind of uses like pulleys and levers to give you more power like a more powerful shot right right okay so the the long bow would be probably the most um physically exhausting exactly for me absolutely right absolutely and that's why i use compound doesn't have any give it's all you. And that's kind of like right. the, like, I think that's when you see archery in the Olympics, they're usually using a recurve bow, which is kind of like a smaller version of a long bow. And right. I think it's for that reason, like you're, they're, they're gauging your physical power and your physical strength. Um, whereas the compound for me is more about aiming and targeting and, you know, kind totally. of a different. Yeah. Thing. So I learned how to do it with, um, uh, a curve what's it called Why recurve. Am I blank? yeah a recurve so that was my first experience and it was hard yeah my muscles my arm muscles especially were always sore uh, it really was like about that kind of strength and so but learning that way even even then and i would where i wasn't good at anything and i had no strength i still liked it yeah. so the fact that then i tried a compound i was like oh, how why is this easy exactly like, <laughs> and there's it didn't there is so much conversation amongst archery circles with like compound bows are cheating. And I'm like, I, I don't, you cannot approach it that way. I think that whatever no, of course not. gets people out there is fine. But yeah, a lot of people right. are like, well, compound's easy because it's cheating. And I'm like, it's not. I'm with you where like the, the, it was more difficult physically. And then the, the, you know, the bow snaps back at you so fiercely and yeah. I had bruises like all up and down my arm. And, you know, it yep. just, it really was painful to kind of learn that yeah. way. Yeah. And it also, I remember like I would get sort of like calluses, like mm-hmm. wrist, fingers. I didn't have gloves back then. Yep. No, no arm guards, no gloves. Right. <laughs> you just right. I didn't have there. any of that. Yeah. You're just like a little kid with like these shitty bow and arrows that the camp has for everybody to use. And I'm like, bruised, aching, blistering, all of that. But you still now, loved it. <laughs> I still did. I still loved it. And so your setup. 
So I have, I use a Botex specialist compound bow. Um, and I like to use, um, carbon, uh, arrows that are, um, like usually like a, I have a draw, my draw weights around like that I prefer is like 25 pounds. Um, and I'm so a target shooter. <laughs> wait. So, okay. So 25 pounds is how heavy your bow is. No, that's like kind of the, the draw strength. So when you pull it back, that's kind of the ferocity with which the arrow okay. is deployed. And I'm like, I don't need I see, it to be like 50 pounds or, or totally. more. Um, I kind of and, like it a more, more comfortable range. Um, but yes. I shoot outside. So I have, um, on the side of my barn, I just stacked – I went to my local hardware slash feed store and I bought a bunch of bales of hay. Uh-huh. And uh-huh, great. I just stacked them up outside of the barn and got some paper targets and kind of tacked them up there. And um, I use that most of the time because I can stand back far enough. I've got a, a few acres. So um, at, the, at that part of the yard, I can stand back far enough to kind of challenge myself to, totally. to hit the target. What's like the hardest target you've ever hit? Like something small, I'm imagining, and something very far. Yes. I I went to there is a range here where I got my my bow, um, and it's in Pennsylvania. And I tr- I tried to hit <laughs> they have this wall, like this foam wall set up where you can practice when you're picking out your bow. And I tried to shoot a balloon from mm. like 25 yards and it was abysmal <laughs> i was like this is it sad. sounds so hard <laughs> that sounds really sad. hard but that's, you can do it I, I i got up i got eventually got there but i definitely like it took me some time to realize that so much of the the act of shooting a bow and arrow is the prep so it's a lot mm-hmm. of breathing it's a lot of like you said kind of recognizing your stance and and it's all in the prep and it's Definitely aiming and kind of like, you know, giving yourself some space to be a little bit more like zoned out, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, like a very, very zen approach. So the prep and then is most of it. And then by the time you pull, you know, and and then let it loose, um, you've already done most of the work. So it's either going to hit it or not. Right. Wow. So zen yeah. in the art of archery. 100%. There's not a, a book for nothing. Not a book for nothing. And I just <laughs> and I love it. So I go out in the, you know, shoot against the barn. And then sometimes I just go out to the back edge of my property and mm-hmm. set up like foam blocks and, um, you know, try to shoot from different angles and from the side. And it's just it's really cool. It's like a little playground out there for me. But it's yeah. Do you ever like roll? Do you ever are you ever like, fuck this? Nobody's watching. Who cares? Like, you do a little flip or you roll on the grass and you're oh, yeah. like, I've spun around and been like, I'm going to spin. And then I'm like, I shouldn't do that. I do have a neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been, have you ever been like, I want to hit a bird and no judgments. I birds are God's gift to everyone. But like, you know, kind of just like, I want to fucking, I want to get that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's bizarre. I never have, because again, I don't, I don't hunt. I'm just target shooting. (laughs) But when I moved in, there was a family of groundhogs just breakdancing all over this place. (laughs) And I hired this pest control guy and I was like, maybe, maybe I get out there with my my bow and arrow and I kind of, and then I'm like, no, Danielle, that's not you at all. And he he kind of recommended it. He's like, maybe I can sit out here and like shoot with it. And I'm like, no, don't hurt them. Oh my Re- God. Rehome them. It's a country. You can take them somewhere else. And he was like, oh my God, you fucking hippie. And then one day I was out <laughs> shooting 
like against the barn and he's like you have a bow and arrow and you won't let me kill a groundhog and i'm like yeah <laughs> absolutely not but I, I the only time i've even come close is when the I, one of those fuckers tried to get into my house that's just like oh, my hell no my constant fight is like all the animals around here think they should be able to live in the house right um, so i heard him under my floorboards and i had to do all this work to like secure that and i'm like well if he gets in he's getting shot but <laughs> i mean i'm surprised you haven't had one in there yet because like we have like we've had stuff in this house oh my cat I mean, just killed a squirrel in your house in my indoor cat killed an outdoor squirrel inside <laughs> my fucking house it was it in the attic yeah so i had the again pest control guys came I, i'm like i hear <sighs> the squirrels in the attic and they blocked up all the holes on the outside and they trapped the fucking thing in my house so we had nowhere oh to go he found a loose ceiling tile and dropped mm. in, and my cat pounced, must have just pounced and killed it. And then he very calmly laid it on the bed next to me. And I woke oh up. my God. Yeah. What? Yeah. And I'm Does like, cats bring you those little presents. Oh, yeah. He thought he was doing a good Holy fucking shit. thing. And I'm like, well, now I have to burn my house down. Like, this is not okay. <laughs> my immediate response was like, well, I live outside now in a tent because I cannot live here anymore. Oh, my God. Oh my God, that is so crazy. Yeah, it's insane no. here. So I definitely move, I definitely want you selfishly to move to upstate New York, but it is a whole different fucking world here. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So let me ask you something. Your bow and, your bow and arrow. What? This is a dumb question, but like, do you have a name for it? You know, I don't, but only because it's fine. I kind of you're normal. <laughs> and, I <can't, laughs> and I can't decide on one. Like my cat has the name that he came with from the pound, which is carrot because he's orange. And oh, I'm cute. like, that fits. He seems to yeah. like it. Like I, I'm not good at naming things. Even when I'm writing characters, I'm like, I don't know what their fucking name should be. <laughs> right. Like, I'm naming inanimate. I love naming things. I'm not, not to say I'm good at it, but I could sit and think about a name for like a week because <laughs> I find it to be very fun. But, but naming inanimate objects for me is like a, I don't, I don't do that. I know. I, I can't. I don't care for it. I'm, I never named my car. No, never. I'm <laughs> like, it's weird. my, it's my fucking, it's a Chevette. It's just what it is. It's a Honda. It's a, it's a car. Like. But I wonder like how much of that too is just like not, um, I'm not closely associating with this inanimate object in a way that I want to name it. Cause then it becomes more real or more of an extension of me somehow. I don't know, but I just, I don't do that. 
do you keep where do you keep it like do you keep one next to your bed <laughs> like what if <laughs> i don't because i do have um i have weapons i have knives like okay. in pretty much every room of my house because I'm traumatized. <laughs> okay. I'm a traumatized person. So Oh my God, Danielle. I have knives, but I keep my bow in um I have a library. I turn one of the bedrooms into a library. All right. And um I keep it in there because it's on the way out uh, of okay. the house. Okay. It's so just, it's on that side of the house. It's so chic that you have a library. So like wouldn't it be so like what if you needed your bow? You were in a situation. I don't want to scare you as you live alone in your manor in upstate New York where no one can hear you. I'm not trying to scare you at all. But what if? <laughs> Let's well, talk about getting one to keep in your room. Here's the thing. I don't think it would be useful in an attack because okay, the precision right. <laughs> that you would have to have would be right. kind of impossible for me would be impossible in a moment of heightened fear. Whereas with a knife, you could just start swinging wildly and you'll hit something. Totally. But with an arrow, but I'm like, Ooh. you'd be like, okay, I have to get my stance together. And I, <laughs> exactly. Wait, wait, Where's my you kill me? <laughs> but like, it would be so fucking cool. It would be kind of great. You hit targets. I love the idea of you rolling around your farm. Yeah. It's a getting better. Yeah. Would you do you ever have you ever been in any like competitions? Are no. there competitions? There definitely are competitions. And I, I haven't been in any because it's and I wonder if you feel like this, too. But there is I've already done this with one hobby where I turn my hobby of writing into a career or something that I felt like I had to do outside of my home. And it took right. all the fun away from it for, for yes. me. I feel the exact same way. I mean, yeah. I'm taking a writing workshop now just to have fun with it yeah because i was like why i now i hate doing this thing that yeah. was my everything oh yeah but the, yes i fully agree and that's the thing like if I, if I was in a competitive space i think it would take some of the shine away from it for me where i felt i would feel right. bad about you know what i'm doing whereas now i'm just having fun improving and learning at my own pace and not having the pressure of well you have to get better faster so you can win this thing but there are tons right if i was ever ready i think maybe in retirement i'll start doing some some competitions uh, but yeah. for now i'm just i just love being able to truly go out and and you can do it at any point in time like middle of the day 10 minutes 20 minutes um and just like meditate and relax yeah so <laughs> it's, it's kind, kind of, of cool. like it is like your meditation absolutely absolutely like i definitely again like i like having my feet in the in the grass like i like kind of yeah being in touch with the earth but also being in touch with my body and that's a very yeah. good way to do it for me like kick off your shoes and go and shoot shoot your fucking bow at a target do you want to know how insane i am at this point yeah for archery always so, always I'm renovating the house right now, but then I'm going to be renovating the barn. And mm -hmm. the barn is original. And I'm turning the hayloft upstairs, which is just, you know, tall ceilings and open space into an indoor archery range for myself. That's so fucking rad. Like there'll be a couple of bedrooms downstairs, but upstairs is for That's me. So cool. <laughs> That's so, so cool. I was going to ask you what the archery scene was like where you live, but there isn't one. There isn't. You know what the archery scene is here? It's me and like 12-year-olds who learn at camp. Like my, right. well, <laughs> like my friend's kid is like, I'm learning how to be an archer too. And I'm like, cool, come over and shoot. Yeah. That's it. 
that's the scene. Would you ever like want to teach kids how to do archery or no? I would love to because oh, if somebody I had know, taught I bet me, you would be so good at it. Oh. You'd be like such a warm, like I would love for you to have taught me archery. Oh, thank like, you. I'm glad you had the experience of learning at camp and knowing that you liked it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think I think about this about a lot of my childhood, but like if I had been introduced to that as a kid, who knows where the fuck I could be president of the goddamn United States right now. Like if I had I wouldn't doubt it in my life. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I think it's important and cool to like teach kids that there are different ways to to be meditative and mindful. And that's yeah. that's the one I would go to if I had to teach a kid anything. What is your favorite gear? I love my bow. And I'm actually looking to get a long bow. Um, I'm looking what? at a, yeah, I'm looking at a bear paw blackfoot. It's like a 66, six, uh, 66 oh my inch God. long bow. Um, that sounds so intimidating, but yeah. like, why not? You're going to have not? an indoor archery range. Like you may as well. I'm that get sounds it so cool. Yeah. It's going to be great. And then I kind of like my, um, I have, a, I built, I just took some PVC pipe and a piece of wood and built my own uh, arrow stand. And I oh, kind of great. love just like grabbing it and running outside and being like, plunk, like plunk my arrows in. And then yeah. you know, I can't do like the behind the back grab. I was going to ask, like, do you have a little back thing? No, no, well, it, it does crazy. Get, it's hard to actually get them. It's easier when they're in a stand right next to you. Completely. Yeah. Like behind the back. I leave that for the for the younger kids. Archery is a really solitary sport. That's what it's known for. Is that what's appealing to you? Or do you like doing it with friends? Or do you prefer to, to do it alone? I prefer to do it alone. Like my um my goddaughter who's eight came over a couple of weeks ago and she'll she'll see the target sometimes and be curious about it. And I think one day I might teach her how to do it and kind of give her the space here to do that. But it's mostly solitary. Like I don't want to compete. I don't want to be on a team. I think it's something mm-hmm. that um, there's a real, there's no urgency to it. So I think that that's why it, to me, it feels like a, like a very solitary thing. Um, and I know people compete on teams and have, you know, they share a lot of tricks and the whole ethos right. about it. And I think there's power in that too. But for me, no, I just, I want to get up there and just kind of have some comfort on my own. And I think it's, I don't know, I've, I've always been someone who's comfortable. Like, I never had to learn how to be alone. I think a lot of people, especially recently, had to learn how to be alone. And mm. it's just been kind of part of my the human condition that I live with for the most part. Um, so I like to enhance it in ways that feel good instead of thinking about it as a lonely endeavor. Uh, so yeah, I like to go out and do fun things on my own. So you know that we call this podcast Filling the Void, like as if we have an empty void in our souls or ourselves that we need to fill, which I don't necessarily think, well, no, we do. What what does it mean to you though? Like what does that term expression mean to you, if anything? Like my gut instinct is usually that it it allays panic and connects you to something calm. So anything that helps you just feel at home in yourself, you're you're filling the void. And you're definitely, mm. um, you know, you can do that with people sometimes, but I think it's usually a, a solitary process. Like it requires a lot of solitude. Um, mm. So yeah, I kind of, th- I kind of think of filling the void as like going back to the well. <laughs> you're going mm. back to the well mm-hmm. to find, find the the next thing or the only thing or the first thing that really made you feel like you were doing something at the best version of of connectivity with yourself totally i love that that's perfect it's 
it's the thing that, yeah, that, that I found that I was, it, it's like the puzzle piece, you know, exactly. with archery, with writing. Oh, this fits. It just fits. This fits. And it's something that you just do regardless of whether anyone's watching or not. Totally. Or you're ever going to show anybody. Like, it's just something that's purely for you. Because you can't not do it. Completely. The other thing I want to talk to you about, too, is because I have so many other hobbies and a lot of yeah, them I, are I, like, like, again, solitary indoor things. But um, a lot of my hobbies lately, I find outside of archery are things that I do for friends. So mm-hmm. I used to knit myself a bunch of bunch of shit. But now I just kind of like, like, I have a friend who really likes owls. So I'm knitting her an owl sweater. And, you know, I have a friend who went through breast cancer treatment. And I put together a um, and she's fine now, but I put together a, okay. a care package for her to have like all these creams. And I'm like, put this cream on your tits. And then I made her um, <laughs> like a, a Bargello box, a tissue box. Um, and I'm What's like, that? Bargello, Bargello is like, oh, I'm going to send you a kit. You're going to fucking love it. It's like a 70s craft that looks it just looks insane. Like I made her a tissue box and I'm like, we're all crying all the time because we're sad for you. So like have some tissues. But that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that I'm doing with crafts now where I'm just kind yeah. of, I just give them, I've always given stuff away. But now I feel like when I do make things that are more fiber oriented or more like miniature stuff, I'm sending them out to people. You might like punch needle. I love, I did that when I did it once when I, I think was in, in third grade, like my yeah. teacher taught me how to do it. Never, no one in my family ever wanted to buy me any of the stuff. They're like, we're not buying you any of this shit, like latch key or the latch hook and like, we're not doing the any la- of So, so I, I don't blame them. <laughs> the punch, it's not super expensive, any of the punch needle stuff, but the loophole is that you can find old kits on Etsy or eBay. Ooh. That's what I, that's how I started doing needlepoint. Like I didn't, I went to a needlepoint store in New York and they had patterns and they were really expensive and I wasn't good. Right. Uh -uh. I was, I taught myself how to do it. They're like this old seventies, um, craft kits. Like you're making like, like, you know, there's peanuts ones for like little (laughs) kids, but then there's also like Vogue covers or like boobs, like, I mean, there there are um, textile artists who do, you know, amazing like X-rated needlepoints. I love that kind. I love that so much, and especially like that. Just getting a glimpse into the sense of humor of the '70s is always really fun. Totally, (laughs) but I agree. Sex and comedy were like really at their peak in the '70s. Like, oh yeah, like the whole world was like a Porky's movie. Totally. It was like laughing and boo painting your boobs. I'm like, you know, it was, it was an odd combination. But even like Playboy, it was like lots of yeah. jokes and like honking your boobs or something. Like I don't know, it just that that doesn't make me horny. But I guess it made it was a kink my, for someone. So, but what I'll propose for me and you moving forward, Danielle, yeah. is that like. We can do a hobbies like weekly or monthly check in. I would love where we that. show each other our work. <sighs> we talk about our process. We Ugh. just gossip and giggle. Like yes, let's do right? it. And I'm doing that with a friend. We have a two person book club where we're just reading books from our own shelves, and That's we just fun. check in once a month. <laughs> and it's just I love it. And I will. I would absolutely adore that. So we'll do that. This is important because like when you go out to Archer, what's your outfit? And does it matter to you? 
it kind of does matter to me because it can't be too loose. Mm -hmm. It also can't be too tight. Depending on the time of year, I have to be warm. I'm not going to be out there with frigid arms trying to, yeah. you know, oh, of course. So I, I try, like a bundled up archery look. Yeah, I love like a like a like a fleece jacket with a weird hat kind of archery look. Okay, because you got to keep the sun out of your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't like to have a lot of the glasses and the gear and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I go out usually, and it's like um, I don't mind jeans or like a pair of like uh, like a lined legging. Okay. Do you have like a character, like an archery character who you turn into? You know, like I would get very into like, like that kind of like, do I want to be this like Swedish girl (laughs) who is like raised by wolves? (laughs) Or do I want to be Xena? Or do I want to be a guy that like has to kill his own food to survive? Yeah. A lot, a lot of the time to get into that mentality, it's, um, and again, because of my my own personal trauma, it's like uh, you were left alone in the woods and had to fend for okay. yourself. Like, could yes. you survive in that kind of scenario? Very survivalist. I love that character, and you could you could survive. You will survive. I could absolutely survive. We could live on Groundhog for at least a day. <laughs> and squirrel <laughs> and squirrels. But yeah, I definitely it helps calm me down, and it it really hits the anxiety center of my brain to feel like I'm capable like a capable person in the world. Um, So yeah, I kind of just always want to make sure that I can do things on my own. And that's my, that's how I go out into the world. Like I just want to make sure that I can survive. I can survive anything. I can be generous to people. I, you know, I don't, I don't like a lot of people, but I love a lot of people. (laughs) And the people that I love, like I love you and the people that I I love. love you. Totally. I just want to care for. We can take care. I think that's so wise and I agree and I love it. It makes me feel really good. Oh, is there a hobby that you don't do? You probably won't ever do, but you wish you were the kind of person you want to want to. I know. I wish I wish I was the kind of person who could do yoga and not just immediately fall into child's pose for the whole class. (sighs) Yeah. Because once I stretch a little bit, like I'm out and I wish I could like do a handstand and fucking like, (laughs) like, I wish I could be that person, but I I do not have it within me to want to practice that much. And that's kind of I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I've never met a yoga class I didn't resent like immediately or during it. I I feel the same way. I I don't. I. Yeah, that's a good one. That's I wish great. I could, but I, I just, I can't and I take it and I just lay down on the floor a lot. And that's also very <laughs> important to my, to, to my body and stretching my fucking muscles and bones I agree. out. Child's pose feels right. Feels the other ones me. don't. I have a friend who also, she's like, oh, if you're ever doing corpse pose um, and you want like a, a good release, you should like hold your knees to your chest and uh-huh. you'll probably fart. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh. Because I'm a teenage boy at heart. Like, that is hilarious to me. So whenever I do it, I'm like, this is hilarious. And then I laugh, and that's the release. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I do that sometimes when I feel like I really need to fart, and I can't. It's like you do that for babies. Yes, exactly. I had no idea. But she's like... put their knees up. Yeah. She's like, you could do it as an adult, too. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever been taught. There's nothing funnier. (laughs) And it's there's nothing funnier. And like... Please make sure you're doing it in public, everybody. Oh, get you ain't apart. farting in pubs. You're not doing it right. <laughs> this is what you're missing out on by not being in a writer's room. Okay, exactly. 
when I'm in there, it's pull my finger at least once oh, a week. <laughs> that makes me want to go back. That makes me want yeah, to go right? to LA for a few the months. Jokes. <laughs> the camaraderie and the jokes and the snacks and the oh, farts. The snacks and the farts. That yeah. should be the title of your, me- your next memoir. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, I love you also. I love oh, this conversation. We sh- we're we're going to revisit this. Anytime. We can yeah, revisit like, it with video. We can revisit it in person. Come hang out for a week. Oh, I, I wish. I mean, I will. Bring eventually. your kid. Bring your husband. Bring everybody. Just come hang out. Mm, be so warm. Yeah. If you liked our show, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend. Filling the Void is a production of the Erios Network. Episodes are produced, engineered, and edited by Alex Paul. Original song by Michael Cassidy. Powered by ACAST. Erios. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.